0: God, we've come here today because we loved you. We didn't have to. We chose to come. We chose to come together, uh, to be encouraged by your presence, to encourage one another. But Lord, real life is not just here this morning. It's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And we're so grateful that we have life to live. We ask that what you do in our hearts today would activate us, facilitate us, release us to be life to our world. Lord, the, the future in front of us is dependent upon what's going on inside of us. So activate what's going on inside of us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at some scripture and I just want to kind of talk. We'll see where this goes. As I was flying over here, uh, I was asking God what to share. Maybe I should, let me just set a foundation first. because. God's been speaking to me very clearly the last few years in themes. I did get to come last year, some point, after that 2020 thing. And I know I remember I I told you, no doubt, that at the end of 2019, God told me that 2020 would be a year of faith. And I I didn't like that because in my mind, faith means you're not going to know what you're doing. And so, and then God quickly said to me, No, no, it's not that kind of faith. This is deeper. Uh, and you're gonna know. You're gonna need to know me resting in your life. This is before 2020. So January 2020 says 2020 is gonna be a year of you knowing me resting in your life. So I know I've shared that with you before, but this is refresher. And so 2020 was that for me. It was a wonderful year for me. Uh, but in the world, you know, 2020 sucked. But in 2020 was a wonderful year for me in my relationship with God. It was really refreshing. My wife was really happy. because was March 2nd of 2020. I flew home on an airplane and then parked. Normally I fly 200,000 miles a year. My wife had me every day of the year of 2020 after March 2nd, all the way into 2021. And we found out we really love each other. We're still married. We're still married. I mean, the test was I was home, but she still loves me. You know? And so we had a wonderful year. But then at the close of 2020, coming into 2021, God said this to me. He says, you're going to need to know me this year as the rock. <laughs> because I'm the unshakable one. So if you put your hope in things all of a sudden getting really good the, around you, you're going to be greatly disappointed. So you're going to need to know me as the rock. You're going to need to, to become, the, become the, the substance of who I am. I can't be shaken. Can you? So 2021 was another season to become unshakable. It was a good year for me. So then I come into 2022, the end of 2021, which I have not shared with you yet. But if you follow my blogs, you no doubt have seen some posts on it. God says to me that 2022 is a year of peace. Hmm. He says, but not peace as the world defines peace. And then I've written many blogs this year. I preached many messages on peace, and and I concluded this. And this is a, a, a word to you that I would suggest you consider, and maybe take this and own this yourself. Something I've learned in my forty-nine years of knowing God. Right? This is now my sixty-seventh year of passage here. Complete that this year. Start a sixty-eighth one, but <laughs> but this this is. In the earth, I've been here a little bit. And in this time, I've I've discovered that when God says something to you, like this is a year of peace, you better immediately realize you don't know anything about peace. And the biggest challenge is, is when you do. Acknowledge, if he spoke something to you about something that you know something about, you really don't know anything about it. Because if you know something about it, you're going to become his teacher. And that really doesn't work out too well. (laughs) So I realize, okay, you're speaking to me about peace. I think I know something about that, but maybe I don't know anything, so teach me. And so I've been allowing God to teach me about peace. And I've discovered some things about peace that are amazing. I've discovered that, that peace is a community thing. Pieces, is it? The peace offerings were, were a community connection and they're all centered around thankfulness and praise. You don't have to do a peace offering but you do a peace offering because God did something that you're just amazed with and matter of fact in the Jewish culture I mean I think a good Jew likes to eat a lamb <laughs> maybe eat a piece of beef every now and then. <laughs> I mean I think a, a good good Jew likes to eat a little meat, but if you wanted to eat meat, it had to be part of a peace offering. There's one little verse that describes it. But if you want to eat meat, the rest if you don't if you don't do it as a peace offering, you get to eat vegetables. <laughs> but if you want to eat meat, you do it as a peace offering. Now, I doubt that the Jews understood the peace offering, even though they kept it to the letter because they created every feast they ever did is a solemn a solemn a solemn sorrowful difficult task an it's obligation a law when every feast that god ever described was meant to be a celebration was meant to be a connection was meant to be something of life something of love like being with your grandkids and coming alive <laughs> Like being with your your friend and just coming alive. Everything was meant to be that way. So a peace offering was not an offering you gave so that you would have peace. It was an offering you gave because you're acknowledging, wow, I've got peace with God. God is my friend. God is my father. God is my provider. He answered my prayer. And you always want to share that with your community. You want to go to your brothers and sisters and you want to say, ah, come here, let's eat meat together. (laughs) Let's eat meat together. It's a demonstration that we are the will of God in the earth. Look what he did. He answered my prayer. So you would bring the offering. You would bring it with some unleavened stuff. But then you would also eat some leavened stuff. You would bring it in sincerity of unleavened, but then you would eat the leavened bread and say, "We are the bread of." The, now they never understood this, but they're saying, "We are the bread of the body of Christ. We are the life of the world. We are God's will in flesh." And we would celebrate, and we would heave it up before the Lord. We might wave it before the Lord as a praise, and then it would come down and it would be shared with the community. It, and so you could give a you could give a peace offering for thanks that God something did. You could give a peace offering for a vow that was fulfilled. And you know what the ultimate vow is? The ultimate vow is your Father in heaven, Michaela, knows who you are. And the ultimate vow is he really loves it when you become authentically you. <laughs> when you become you, you see, when you become you, How do you know you become you? Because the world around you comes alive. If everything around you becomes dead grass and dies, it means you don't know who you are. But when you discover who you are, you make a great you because you are a testimony of your heavenly Father. And God has made a vow to say, I'm not going to let any lie rob you of being who you are. I made you a one and only and your world is to come alive in me. And so when that is recognized, when you recognize that God is allowing you to be you because your world is coming alive and giving glory to him, not in some religious sense, but in a relational sense. And it, it's, it's happening. You, you, you say, oh, I want to share this. I want to be me with you. And you eat meat together. And there's another way you can do it. It's just simply part of a free will offering. That means God didn't necessarily answer a prayer. God didn't necessarily manifest glow in the dark of who you are, but you recognize you're part of a family and you just really want to share in being part of a family. And so you do a meat offering. Now I think that we are in a place where God is calling his church to be the people of God or more specifically the family of God. Uh, the days of performance are past. And God doesn't mind performance. Uh, you know, I've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, and they do good performance. I was just down with them. We we put an a, 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 uh, underground trampoline in their backyard. They were doing that, and they were demonstrating. And The last night that Grandpa was there, they wanted to get every ounce of time they could with him, and so they said, we're going to do a circus for you, Grandpa. So I went out, you know, put they called me. Gopal, we're going to do a circus. So I went out and watched the circus. And there was the finale. Then there was the final, final finale. And then there was the final, 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 final finale. And so they performed. God loves that kind of performance when it's sincere. Love of kids for Dad or Grandpa. Love of relationship in that performance. But somehow... Uh, in our sincerity, uh, in growing in our relationship with God, sometimes we forget to grow up or we forget to be innocent. Neither of those. Uh, neither of those is a good thing. And so what we do is we turn we turn Christ in humanity into some religious form of performance. And we make it about what we do instead of who we are. We make it about style. And uh, COVID kind of interrupted that. Now I'm not saying COVID was the will of God. But I am saying COVID couldn't stop the will of God. So in the midst of COVID seasons, isolation, separation, God's still working. But I'm going to tell you that functioning in your everyday world, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, can't be the same as it was pre-COVID. Because God's been working all through this, and something is more authentic and deeper than He's doing in the earth. <laughs> now, we're going to get confused. We're going to do some performance stuff. We're going to do some things and think we're doing the will of God. And He's going to say, Okay, I get it. You don't quite get it. It's okay. I love you. <laughs> and He's going to help us, He's going to walk with us through that. I happen to believe that holiness is not abstinence from the world, it's totally embracing and indulging in God that's what makes me love God more than anything else. so I do believe it's a season of peace, so I've set the foundation of what God has been speaking to me about, but then flying over here, I said, God, what do you want to speak to Christ's life about? What do you want to say there and and he I spoke to the men on Saturday in regard to this topic, and I want to address this today. He said, you know, the world is upside down. And when the world is upside down, you want to put everything right side up. Sometimes we say, the world is wrong, let's make it right. Everything's upside down, let's set it up right. I mean, have you thought thoughts like that? I mean, politically, everything's upside down. Or, man, the government is upside down. Oh, everything that's going on, decisions that are being made in the world, everything's upside down. That's because the world is upside down and it does need to be made right side up. But you can't make a upside down world right side up by the same way that the world became upside down. Now, how does the world become upside down? It becomes upside down because people live their lives from the outside in. Things that go on around me affect who I am. But the kingdom of God is an inside out world. And to make a world that's upside down, right side up, you got to be a person who lives from the inside out, which means anything that happens in your world, whether it's in what you call the church or what you call your job or what you call your school place or what you call your Family or your community, anything in your world, you name know, whatever's in your world, you know what's in your world. If anything in your world from the outside in can change you, you don't know who you are. So you gotta be in your world and you gotta learn how to make it so that your upside-down world can be made right side up by what is happening in you. What's happening inside of you is going to determine what happens in your world tomorrow. How you wake up tomorrow, if you wake up living from the outside in, you're going to be disappointed because you have expectations. And what's going to happen, your upside down world is going to communicate to you disappointments in your expectations. So you're going to have to be the same as a pregnant lady because a pregnant lady has an expectancy of a baby And it happens from the inside out. And so they're able to overcome anything because of what's inside of them. That's why women can have babies. You know, men can never do it because, you know, the the discomfort, the changes that happen in the process alone, let alone the birthing, you know. You know, a man cold is bad enough. But they have to birth a baby. Well, why do women are able to birth babies? with such discomfort and changes that happen in pregnancy and, and the pain, you know what it is? Love, that's what it is. But it's an internal thing of a mother's love and it, and it, and it can overcome anything because expectancy can't be destroyed by expectations. Now we need to be, as human beings, we need to be pregnant. With God's love, we need to be pregnant with who we are. We need to have something inside of us that can overcome any disappointment. You know, I've never had God say something to me that came to pass the way I thought it would. Never. I can't think of one thing, but I can think of all kinds of things that came to pass that He said. And I can think of all kinds of things that came to pass better than I thought they would. But there was also part of the process that I thought it would not, it, I thought, well, this is bad. And then it ended up really good. So I've found that God's word is true, but I found out that my understanding of his word is not very true. Even 49 years of knowing him, and man, I am a student of the word of God but I found out even as a student of the word of God, uh, I have to come to a point 49 years in Christ, I have to say, I don't know much. You do stuff that, man, if I was you, I wouldn't do. Man, it's good I'm not (laughs) you. God always does things in redemption in life. Let's look at some scripture that kind of define what I'm saying and we're going to try to bring this into our real world. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is praying here. He's praying for people that he loves in the city of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. He, he sees this family of people and he's praying for them. And he's heard about them and he's telling them that where they're seated, where they're placed in Christ. In chapter 3 verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family... In heaven and earth is named. I think of my friend Henry. I say, I'm bowing my knees to you, Father. And I, I, I'm bowing my knees because our family, both you, Henry, and me, <laughs> uh, we're named by Him. And I'm praying that He would grant you, I'm praying that He would grant me, grant us in this room, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit. Now, ah. In the inner man. Not in the outside. In the inside. I'm praying right Ah. now. I'm asking that this would be a great, great season of us being strengthened. Ah! In the inner man. If you're not strong in your inner man, you're easily offended in your outer man. The stronger you are in your inner man, the less easy it is for you to be offended in your outer man. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, we don't judge anyone according to the flesh anymore. We don't even judge Jesus according to the flesh anymore. We're new creations in Christ. Old things passed away. Now, he didn't say that so that you would measure yourself by the flesh and kill yourself for not measuring up. He wants you to look in the mirror, but he wants you to look a little deeper. When he says there's something wrong... Really, he's trying to tell you what's right. Look a little deeper and see what's inside of you. Because holiness is not dependent upon you getting rid of something. It's dependent upon you embracing something. That's what's going to get rid of what you need to get rid of. You need Christ in you. And and he's delightful. He's the lover of our souls. We can be strengthened in our inner man. Uh, I'm, I'm greatly, I was blessed by my friend Henry's son when he wrote on Facebook yesterday because all of Henry's children are strong in the Lord. They got two wings like their dad. And Michael said, we'll get through this too. This is difficult to shock that dad would go at this point, but we'll get through this too. Now, when he says that, he's also saying because uh, it was not too many years ago, a decade ago, that uh, my friend henry's wife who is a wonderful lady erica also a friend of mine and a strong believer in christ yeah a strong believer in christ who got sick mentally got spiritually attacked not emotionally depressed depression's a real thing and she ended up committing suicide where did she go heaven what happened she wasn't in her right mind that day <laughs> She wasn't in her right mind that day. Wasn't in right thinking. But you know what? She had a heavenly father who was in his right mind. So, did her journey get cut short? Yeah. Should it have gotten cut short? No. But it did. But through all of that, my friend Henry never stopped being a man of faith. His kids never stopped being a man of faith. When we did Erica's funeral, there was thousands of people. It was online. And you know who did the service? Henry and his kids. You know did the worship? His kids. <laughs> and they worshiped with all their heart. Great example. <laughs> Salute you, Henry, and your family. But they're an inside out people. I'm an, I'm an, I want to be an inside out person. And I want all of my family to be inside out people. Not to be like people in the world. That doesn't mean I shame people who live from the outside in. It means I love people who live from the outside in. It's a terrible place to live. When people live from the outside in, they get confused. They get depressed. They get discouraged because there's lots of things on the outside in that can communicate to you things are bad. I have family, spiritual family, friends, spiritual sons and daughters, grandsons, granddaughters in Bulgaria. I was just there. In Bulgaria, major move of the spirit in the churches that, I, that I'm involved with there. And Ukraine is just over the past. <clears throat> just across the Black Sea. And so there's concern. Concern of what's going to happen. They have memory of that. They were 60 years under heavy communist control. And they are not interested in going there again. But they have concerns from the outside in. But the family of God doesn't live from the outside in. So from the inside out, they're encouraged, and the move of the Spirit is phenomenal. I was just in in, in rooms that would they were packed, they were packed, wall to wall, people on the floor, people crying, people loving Jesus. I'm talking young people, old people, and you know what? It it didn't look neat, but it looked passionate. When snot comes out of noses and tears comes out of eyes and hearts cry out to Jesus, it's a beautiful thing. Well, I was just there for you know a week and a half, and every day was filled with that. Every day was filled with that. <laughs> and so that's what happens when you live from the inside out, when you realize that there's an inner man in you that can be strengthened, that, that causes you to overcome all things. Do you know that Ukraine is the most Christianized country in all of Europe? 70% of the Ukrainians are believers. There's a lot of believers in Ukraine. You know, Antioch was a rough situation. The church got scattered in Antioch. Okay. You know why it got scattered? Because the enemy came against the church. So the church got scattered. You know, when the enemy thinks he's doing something, he's just a servant of God. Because at Antioch, the church went where it should be. Everywhere. You know, right now, I think Western Europe needs a little evangelism. And I can't think of a better thing to do it than to have inside-out people from the Eastern Europe come and and save a a Western Europe that prides themselves of being post-Christian in their reality. Truth is, they're not post-Christian. They're post-religious. But they're also present-confused. And they're ripe for a move of God. They're ripe for God to come real and get into the inner man of people. So Paul then says in verse 17, he says that you be strengthened. And he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you be rooted and grounded in love. You know, faith works through love. Without a revelation of love, faith doesn't work. The opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is natural sight. The opposite of faith is outside in. Faith is an inside out reality. The opposite is outside in. What you see on the outside doesn't determine what's going to happen next year. What happens inside of you determines what's going to happen next year. Now, can there be difficult things? There will be. Always. Always adjustments. Unexpected things. Your friend dies. Okay? Your loved one died. Unexpected things. I mean, you've had a huge trauma here. Our wonderful, wonderful brother, husband, friend, Bob. <laughs> uh, but I've got to tell you, Bob's very much alive. <laughs> and the last enemy got swallowed up. <laughs> so we rejoice with Bob. However, it leaves a hole in the community of this side. So we can't fill that hole from the outside in. We can only fill that hole from the inside out. We have to continue to live from the inside out so that our world can continue to be a testimony of as it is in heaven, let it be, right here. Because Christ is in us. But it's all about love. It's it's rooted and grounded in love. That's where faith happens. Faith comes by hearing God. Uh, It doesn't come by quoting scripture. Quoting scripture sometimes can help, but sometimes quoting scripture... Can not be the sword of the Spirit, it's the hammer of the law that flip and kills you. <laughs> so you know the word, the written word is correct but it's only a testimony of the living word. <laughs> it's able to activate Christ in you but it isn't what activates you, it's Christ in you that makes you come alive. It's only true to who is in you but unless you're looking to who is in you You'll even then begin to look at the world at the word of God from the outside in. It doesn't happen from the outside in, it happens from the inside out. Now, don't avoid the outside stuff, but look to it to get the inside out. Don't look to it to get the outside in, look to it to get the inside out. He says. I'm praying here that Christ would dwell in you through faith. You're rooted and grounded in love. That you're able to comprehend with all of the saints. All the believers. Heaven and earth. What is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ. Which passes knowledge. You can't explain it. It passes knowledge. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Whatever works in us, works. Whatever doesn't work in us is us not finding the source that allows it to work in us. (laughs) To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What a wonderful prayer. What a wonderful prayer. He's he's working in us if we look to him and allow him to work. But if we live like in the world and we're looking at what's going to go on in our world. Oh, I wonder what this year. I I sure hope the right politics happens so that the future is the right future. I got news for you. The wrong politics can happen. The right politics can happen. And the future won't be good. But what happens in you determines how good the future can be. (laughs) What happens inside of you determines how good it's going to be in your family. How good it's going to be in your workplace. How good it's going to be in your classroom. How good it's going to be in your, what you call, when we come together as a church. (laughs) And Jerry already said, this is not the church. This is, we've come together, we're the church. But how good it's going to be is going to be determined by how are we allowing the one who is good to 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 live in us, to live through us, to activate us, to live from the inside out? Then Paul says, "I therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm captivated. I'm captured by Him. I can't leave Him. I, 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 it's impossible. I'm I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Okay, yeah, He got thrown into prison, but but He you not know, just talking about." In that kind of prison, he's talking about I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a slave of God, I'm I'm a prisoner of the Lord, I'm I'm captivated by him, I can't leave him. He says, so I'm I'm beseeching you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Whoa, oh, Paul, come on, man. Yeah, we just talk about the power of God. What's this bearing with one another stuff that has to be in here? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit, the bond of peace. But you don't understand, they're different than me. He says, there's one body, there's one spirit, and you are called in the hope of your calling. If you read all of Ephesians, you'll have to understand that the hope of your calling, according to Ephesians chapter 1, Is finding your place in his calling. You don't have a ministry. You don't have a life apart from him. Your life is meant to be a part of him. And by the way there is no clergy and laity. You're it. (laughs) You're both priests and kings. You're those who have one foot in heaven. One foot on the earth. Called to draw heaven into your earthly foot. And you're those who are called to make decisions in this life. As as grandpas, grandmas, great-grandpas, great-grandpas, dads, moms, brothers, sisters, friends. You're called to make decisions for the sake of your enemies. You're called to live in this life. You know, I saw a funny Facebook one this morning it was an older lady. I was laughing because I was in Spain a number of years ago and I, they were playing music in this hotel I was staying in. And they were playing Jumpin' Jack Flash. You know, come on Jumping Jack Flash, right? And so, so I went out to to see what they were doing Jumping Jack Flash, and everybody on the dance floor had white hair. And I thought, Jumping Jack's old. <laughs> yeah. You need to get a revelation. Jumping Jack is old. Okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> why did I say that? <laughs> not this year. No. Um, but I'm not really sure why I said that. I got, I got distracted by Jumping Jack. Help me, Jesus. Come on. <laughs> just different styles just different things we keep the the unity of the faith by love we keep the unity of faith it's not style that unites us it's not asphalt that puts our bricks together it's not common interests that join us it's common spirit that joins us it's common love that connects us and we can't measure one another by asphalt we can't measure another by the, the adhesive, the glue that puts us together. We measure one another by Christ is in me. Christ is in you. I think God is wanting us to, to come to a place where the impossible things happen. People fit together that don't fit together. People love each other in, in spite of our stupid moments. That <laughs> we don't come together because we're lovable. We come together because of love. Now, that doesn't give us excuses to stay unlovable. It only challenges us all to love. If you measure somebody else because they're not loving you, you're living from the outside in. You don't measure someone by they're not loving you. You measure someone by, are you loving them? (laughs) You don't measure your world by what's happening to you. You measure your world by what are you doing to the world? You don't measure your family by how your family's treating you. You measure your family by how are you treating your family. You don't measure your spouse by how your spouse is treating you. You measure your spouse by how am I treating my spouse. It's the inside out, not the outside in. The world measures things by the outside in. And look what's happening to the world. How's that working for them? Now don't shame them. Don't condemn them. They live from the outside in. That's what happens when you live from the outside in. The answer is don't live from the outside in yourself. Live from the inside out. Be a light. Be salt. Be something that shines and says, Here, come here. Come, let's go to the house of God. Come and be a part of the house of God. You can have peace when there is no peace. You can have life when there is no life. In the midst of winter, you can be an almond bud. When everything's crooked, you can be a plumb line. <laughs> what do you see? You gotta live from the inside out. Oh, I know why I said all that. Cause I watched a Facebook, it was a funny one. A lady on there this morning, she, she played guitar and she sang a song about, um uh, Falling to, instead of falling to pieces, there's a song, falling to pieces, she was singing about getting old when you fall to pieces. <laughs> and It was quite funny, she was a com- comedian type thing, but she was a gray haired lady, white haired lady, and she was singing about uh, that you need to live life. And so the conclusion is you're falling to pieces when, just when you come to the place when you, when you, when you know what you're doing and, and you, and you should be happy. Then you're challenged by falling to pieces and so she said you got to learn to be happy when you're falling to pieces. (laughs) I thought wow you know that's a great great song and so I would say don't look at the world that's falling to pieces. Live life even in the midst of things that are falling to pieces. (laughs) I knew there was a reason I said that. Now he says then he says there's one body, one spirit, one calling. And then he says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. Now let me get that out of the religious world and get that into real life. Because this is what you need to know. An inside out world will give you one Lord. Increasingly. What's a Lord? A desire. A Lord is a desire. I want to. Okay, being the body of Christ, increasing the living, being strengthened in my inner man constantly and increasingly gives me one Lord, but the Lord that I get, the desire that I get is a life-giving desire. The spirit of the Lord. God subjected the earth to futility in the hope of manifested sons. We can say in the hope of manifested sons and daughters. Son is a term for inheritance, not a term for gender. So, sons, people, men and women who would have the character, the nature, the way, the power and authority of a heavenly father. They would be like Jesus, the brightness of the father's glory, the express image of his person. God made it tough so those would manifest. Wasn't the devil that made it tough? God made it impossible so that what's only possible with God would manifest. Without Christ in you, you cannot make a good son of God. Without strength in your inner person, you won't be a good son or daughter of God. Oh, you might be the great pretender. You might be able to re- do the, the rehearsals and acting school. Maybe you can even pursue ministry and be the great ministry actor. But without the strength of Christ in you, without a personal connection of a desire, a desire he being led by a different spirit. So God says, I'm going to make it impossible, so you have to be led by a different spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, is not God telling you what to do. That's a puppet on the string. That's a slave. God doesn't want to tell you what to do. Once in a while, he will, but that's not what he wants. He wants you to know what to do. He wants you to think to breathe, to be sons and daughters of God, inside out people in an upside down world. He wants you to be led by a different spirit. Have you ever been around somebody whoa, they've got a different spirit? When you get around somebody with a right spirit, what's inside of them comes off of them and makes you come alive. Being led by a different spirit, a different desire. Faith toward God, one faith, that's a faith toward God. What is that? That's wisdom, that's That's hearing God. That's that's loving God. A different desire is, oh, I'm loved by him. A different wisdom is, I live. I do things that speak of my faith because of love. I love him. I make sacrifices. One faith. And then one baptism. That's not water baptism. That's not Holy Spirit baptism. That's not your theory about that. It's one submerger. It's one submerger. In the body of Christ, our teacher is not informative. Our teacher is transformative. You may have been a cucumber, but in Christ you're a pickle. You're submerged in him. That's what teaches you. That's the one baptism. When I'm led by one spirit, when I'm led by the Holy Spirit, he gives me understanding. I'm submerged. I don't just forgive. I become forgiveness. I become mercy. I become grace. Now, he's not measuring me by what I've not become. He's measuring me by what I'm becoming. You know, Jesus looks at his bride and he doesn't see any spots, blemishes, or wrinkles. Does she have spots, blemishes, or wrinkles? Yes. Does he see any of them? Not a one. And you know what he does with his bride? Right now. He's ch- he wants this this week in Wichita, Kansas. For Christ's life, here's what he wants. He wants you to come alongside of him. In everything. He wants you to reign. In Wichita. Come alongside of him. Be his partner. Be his co-heir. And he wants you to bring life to your world. He says you're the Proverbs 31 woman babe. I want you to deal in the real estate. Of Wichita Kansas. On behalf of me. I sit in the gate. I want you to buy some property this week. I'm not necessarily talking about physical property. I want you to go purchase something. I want you to deal in relationship and then tell me babe, at the end of the day, what did we buy today? I want you to weave something. I want you to create relationship. I want you to love Wichita. I want you to go around giving life here, giving life there. I want you to do that. At the end of the day, we'll talk and I'll say, honey, what did we do? What did we buy? And you'll say, ah Jesus, we bought a relationship with this guy today. Uh, you know, simple little things. I do my morning run, my six-mile run. My granddaughter, she's a great evangelist. She just turned seven. I was down there with them and uh in California, I go every every few months, I go down and spend a couple of weeks. And, and I was down there and I do my morning run and there's a guy who always walks with a cup of coffee and my granddaughter says, well, what's his name? I said, well, I don't know. I just see him. I wave. She says, "Gopa." You need to know his name so when you see him stop saying hello hi i'm ted what's your name that's how she tells me you know and so i said okay so so then i'm out running and sure enough this guy comes off so i said excuse me i said i mean this is a little strange but i'm going to be in really big trouble with my granddaughter if i don't find out your name so so my name is ted and i see you here when i'm running what's your name he said, well my name is jay i said well good to meet you jay I, I just want you to know i would be in really big trouble with my granddaughter, Zaria, if I didn't find out your name. So then I pick up Zaria from school. I said, hey, his name is Jake. And and uh, she says, oh, you you met him? I said, yeah. She said, well, uh, did you say A-O? Because they would watch the little Jesus cartoons that say, hey, oh, Jesus. I said, did you say A-O? No, I said, I, I just introduced myself. She said, well, next time you see him, you should go, hey, oh. <laughs> So, so that put me on the spot again, you know. Well, I was just down there again. I'm running. I saw Jay and I stopped. I said, Hey, Jay, how are you doing? I said, no, I hadn't been there since like November. Now this is this year. Uh, and so I'm down there and I, I see him. He couldn't remember my name, but I remember his name. Hey, Jay, you doing okay? He goes, Yeah, I'm doing all right. I don't know if you remember me, but you remember my granddaughter said, I need to find out who you are. So I actually stopped and talked with him. And then on Easter morning, I was down there and I was running and I'm running past. Him. I run past this lady and she said, Well happy Easter. And so I'm running. I said I said, Well, bless him to you. I said he's 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 risen. She said, Yes he has. I said, I said no, I said, he's alive. She said, Yes he is. I said, he's alive in me. She said, Yes. Man, I felt really good on my run. <laughs> it's just a simple little thing. Simple little thing, running past somebody and willing to open my mouth and give some life. There's not a lot of conversation there. Well, you know what? She encouraged me, and I encouraged her. And we were celebrating the one who's inside of us. Okay, one long conversation. Life doesn't have to come out of long conversations. In fact, sometimes long conversations suck life, <laughs> <laughs> and short conversations give life as long as they're life giving. Okay, so we're led by one Lord, one desire, one faith, one baptism. One submerger. One father. Hey, my father is your father. Our father. God is our father. We're led by God being our father. We're led by God who's above all. Hey, If you live from the outside in, you're going to find some things this week that look above you. You know what looks above me? I go to Walmart and they leave their shopping carts everywhere. Those shopping carts are above me. Unless I have a God who's above all and I can get past those shopping carts. You know, I'm just being vulnerable, some things that you're taking. So I got to remember who's above all. If you can't be above a car, if you can't be above a shopping cart at Walmart, what does it mean above all? It means there's nothing in this world that's above you. That can suppress you, oppress you, depress you, destroy you. Because he's above all. He's your salvation in every situation. If a shopping cart can ruin my day, my goodness. What will happen if a bomb drops like in the Ukraine? (laughs) There's no guarantees of what's going to happen on the outside end. But the guarantee is what's happening inside of me, what's happening inside of you. And then there's one God through us and one God in us. We're led by a different spirit. A couple more scriptures and we're done. Uh, for the men on Saturday went to Romans 5, and it talked about how the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus, justifies all people to live. It says he made a sacrifice as the last Adam, the eternal Adam. He made a sacrifice that justifies us to live. All people to live. So every human being in Wichita, every human being in America, Canada, anywhere, is justified to live. They don't need to do anything to be justified to live. But having been justified to live doesn't mean you're living. It means you can. So They don't need to do anything to be justified to live. Nobody needs to get clean to come to him. But to become clean you have to grab and hold on to him. And then you'll constantly become more clean and more clean and more clean. But he doesn't measure you by how dirty you are. He measures you by who you really are. And all that other stuff is stuff that's added to you. He'd like to get that off. But it comes by a relationship with him. So everybody's justified to live but then he says but then it's by his life that we reign in life. So mercy justifies us to live. That's the blood of the cross. But And by the way, that blood is not found at the cross. It's found in the throne. Because Jesus didn't stay at the cross. He entered into the place of eternal life. And he offers mercy to all who boldly come to him to receive it. That justified, that's, I'm appropriating my justification to live. But then he says, it's also in that place that you find grace. Grace is this seven things. Grace is the manifold presence of the Holy Spirit. Grace is God's manifest presence in your life that changes you. That changes you from the inside out. And so it's by grace that we reign in life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 25 says of Jesus he must reign till he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Okay? put that right down in your world. My friend Henry. Jesus reigned in Henry's life. And guess what? The last enemy death, underneath his feet. Death has no sting for my friend Henry. Because he knew not only the mercy that justified him to live, he lived his life being empowered, increasingly empowered to reign in life. Even when his wife committed suicide, it didn't stop him from reigning in life. He overcame even in the midst of that greatest sorrow. She was reigning in life. Because Jesus is reigning. Matthew twenty-two forty-four. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Quoting Psalm 101. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, isn't he? And so he's reigning until all his enemies are made his footstool. Where's his footstool? Ephesians 1 says, underneath his feet are principalities, towers, thrones, dominions, and names. And his feet are on his body it says the body of Christ is the fullness of him that fills all in all. You're part of the fullness of him that fills all in all. But it's an inside out reality. Not someday. If you live from an outside in you start getting confused. Too many confused Christians. world gets bad, you start looking for Jesus to come back and rescue us and you miss him all day long. World gets bad. I'm going to say it again. You, world gets bad and you look, you're looking for Jesus to come back and, and, and fix it. And You miss him all day long. Because you're too busy looking at the outside in and you're not allowing it to reign in your life. And so now you come up with this thing where you hate the world. You hate sinners. You hate what's going on. And your passion ends up getting more for hating what's on the outside than loving the one who's on the inside. Take this one to the bank. If you don't remember anything, don't ever be anti-anything. Be life. In the first century, it proved to be true that anti-Christ argh, could not destroy Christ. No anti-Christ can destroy Christ. So don't be don't be anti-anti-Christ. Be embracing of Christ. Okay. okay. I've never found I've never found a dark switch never, never Okay. there's this big bright thing in the sky called the sun and we rotate toward it and the light comes on night becomes day it's called a light switch we turn the light on we turn the light on in this room, we didn't turn the darkness off warring against darkness is warring with light, become the light Okay. how do you resist the devil? You draw near to God. That's how you resist the devil. You draw near to God and the devil will flee. You don't draw near to God by fighting the devil. You embrace God. That's what fights the devil. And by the way, the devil, you're, the devil's not attacking you. You're attacking him. He invaded your territory. He invaded your marriage, he invaded your family, he invaded your life. He's trying to defend himself from you taking back the territory that's yours. He's a wounded animal. He's carnal, he's fleshly, he's wounded. He knows his days are few, so he's fighting against you. So, how do you fight? This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> this is how I fight my battles. I rejoice in the strength of the inner man. I embrace Christ in me. I love God with all my heart. I become a, a son, a daughter of God who shines with the light. Okay, Light walks into a room. Even a candle, a match in a dark room is so powerful. You light a match in a totally dark room and you know what you have? Light. You got light. Tiny little match is more powerful than all the darkness of the room and by the way when you turn the light on in the room people standing on the outside don't get knocked down when darkness runs out because the darkness doesn't run out it disappears it's destroyed too many people living from the outside in we need to live from the inside out two more verses and then we'll call it good revelation is a revelation of Jesus Revelation chapter 1 talks about how we've been washed by his blood. We've, we've been forgiven. that We're kings and priests. Revelation one says we're kings and priests to our God. All of us are kings and priests. And he'll reign forever. Then in Revelation 11, it says the seventh angel sounded. And there was loud voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And then the 24 elders bow down. See, I don't see that as an event in the future only. I see that as a constant reality of a heavenly event. Ephesians 3 says the church is built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. The 12 prophets, the sealing of the old covenant, the 12 apostles of the Lamb, the foundation of the new covenant in heaven, are what the church is built on. Those 24 elders are constantly bowing before God because of what's happening in heaven and on earth. And they're rejoicing and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. You want to know who the cherubim are? The cherubim, there may be angels called cherubim in heaven, but you're cherubim. You know what the cherubim means? Mystery being. You're also seraphim. Seraphim is a burning one. That's a minister of reconciliation. You're really weird. You're really strange. You can touch people with the life of the life-giving pole of God, and they'll know their sins have forgiven, been forgiven. Their iniquities have been purged. They can hear God, and God is saying, Who will go for me? And they can too also say, Here I am, send me. So you have a, you're an ambassador, you have the ministry of a burning one in this life to touch people with the life. To touch people with life. to touch people with life. You're a seraphim. You got six wings. You're human, but they're wings. You're a witness. Two wings cover your feet, means you walk according to the spirit, not the flesh. Two wings cover your eyes, meaning you walk according to faith, not according to natural sight. Two wings you fly, which means you have access to heaven, but you choose to live on earth to bring life. That's what you are. You're a seraphim. You're a minister of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5 says. You understand that God, Jesus became sin and he doesn't hold an account of sin on anyone and he's, he's in us as ambassadors as though we could. he's pleading, he's imploring please come, come receive this be reconciled to God. Come up, come to him, come to him. No condemnation, no shame, come. As burning was. But also, you're a mystery one in heaven. You're, you're, you're strange. You're around, you're around the mercy seat. You're around the throne room. You live from the presence of God, not striving to find it. You live from the presence of God seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It's happening in heaven too. It should be happening back here. He's reigning forever. He's reigning in our lives. I believe that the seal that's been opened. Is the seal of the new covenant. I spell that M-O-W. Now. The moment I'm not living now. I'm not living. So my covenant with God. Is he's new in my life every day. And I'm strengthened. In the inner man. And because of that. I reign in life. Which means I've got to overcome some things. Which means I have to bring life. To my world. And what does that? by being an inside-out person. The kingdom of God is inside of me. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is inside of me, and that's what determines my future. That's what determines my relationship with my wife. How she treats me doesn't determine the future of our marriage. How I treat her determines the future of our marriage. Now, she would have to say the same thing, but that's her business. You know, if I ever say, you've got to submit to me, honey, because the Bible says the wife is supposed to submit to the husband. You know, I need to mind my own business. God wasn't talking to me when he said that. He was talking to my wife. What did he say to me? you got to love her. Even if she says crucify you, love her. Now, if she says, you got to love me, because the Bible says you got to love me, you know what? She needs to mind her own business. Because when God said that, he wasn't talking to her. He was talking to me. You understand what I just said? Mm -hmm. I didn't give anybody an excuse to not be who they are, but I gave nobody an excuse to cross the lines and put on someone else something that God has not put on you. He hasn't put on you an outside-in kingdom. He's put in you an inside-out kingdom. So don't put an outside-in kingdom on anybody else. That's what the Lord does. So Jesus helped us. It's a delight to be here, God. It's a delight to be here with my friends, my family. Lord, I know you have a future and a hope for every one of us here, for our families, for our homes, for our gathering, for all that you're going to do. I ask that you would strengthen us all in the inner man. that We would know you, Christ, in us. And that we would become expressions of your life to our world. That we would be able to reign this week, because you are seated on the throne of glory, you are both Lord and Christ and because of who you are Jesus, we can reign in life. We can manage whatever needs to be maneuvered, whatever needs to be faced this week and we can be life givers in every situation. In every situation. Let us be like pregnant ladies with expectancy that can't be destroyed by outside expectations. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I know I probably went a little long, but I don't come that often, so today yeah. yes. Yes. thank you.